It's 906 at WPTF Radio, AM 680 and FM 98.5. Tom Kearney on a Tuesday night. It's January 19th. Sixteen years ago, Raleigh was gridlocked with a, a quarter of an inch of ice. Maybe Tony Rigsby and I will talk about that later. It's not strictly sports, but it did make for an interesting day. And as you can already tell, Tony Rigsby, our sports guy, is here tonight. Tony, are you there? I am right here, Thomas. How are you tonight? I'm fine tonight. I have a couple of, uh, of uh, negative notes. To, well, we don't have to begin with them, but I think I, we will. Uh, but I'm, I'm fine, and I'm glad you could be here. I will say to our listeners that the, this visit by Mr. Reeksby, who would come every week if I, if I could get him to come every week to just talk about sports, uh, it was the one designed to take a look back at the sports of the previous year, that is, it would probably have occurred after Christmas and into sometime in the first week of the new year, but we had scheduling problems. He's really popular, and it's hard to get him to come visit with us, but here we are tonight, and we're going to talk a little bit about what happened last year. I, for instance, could not remember today who won the Super Bowl and other things like that, and uh, I thought we wouldn't have to go into each issue in depth, but we would, in passing, you could remind us who won those games and what games were not played. I, I think you told me earlier that uh, no national collegiate basketball championship at the, at the head top level was played last year. Is that, is that correct? Right. No March Madness last year. You, you uh, may or may not recall that the ACC tournament was underway in Greensboro, and uh, John Swafford came to the floor and made the announcement that the tournament was over, and this was on the Friday of the tournament, and there was no... NCAA uh, tournament at all, no March Madness. Uh, same thing for the lower division. There was uh, the college baseball season also came to an end at uh, yeah. that juncture on March 13th. So the ACC tournament ended at the court that John Swafford, uh, who one of the big, one of the, well, I don't know if it's one of the big, but one of the, well, I say it's one of the big news items is that John is going to retire. Uh, I can't remember. He has already retired, as a matter of fact. Has his last day already occurred? I mean, it's coming up in the next few days. Uh, you know, his replacements come in from Northwestern, and uh, uh, he was going to originally stay on until, I believe, the end of the academic year. But when they were able to get his replacement early, uh, he decided he was going to hang it up uh, a little bit early here in his. Uh, Last basketball duty was that announcement on the floor of the uh, of the Greensboro Coliseum last year. So we're glad that at least he was able to get an ACC football championship in this fall as his last big game. Well, I, I pay attention to things like that because John and I are the same age. I think he graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill where he was a quarterback in 1965, which was the year that I exited Wake Forest. I have two deaths I want to call your attention to. One of them happened today, and you probably know Don about Sutton, it. Don Sutton, I'm sure, is one you're referring to. Go ahead go ahead and say what you want to say about Don Sutton. Don Sutton was a, uh, a consistently good pitcher. Uh, uh, there are those who say that he uh, you know, amassed his totals simply by longevity, that he was never uh, a world-class pitcher. Uh, but he certainly did it for a long, long period of time, and uh, uh, he deserves the honors that he got. But he also went on to be a broadcaster for many, many years, too, uh, on the national level and on the team level. 
uh, so he's one who will be missed for sure. 30 years as a broadcaster and uh, 324 victories. Well, maybe he, you know, slipped around some of those, but that's still a lot of wins. And, uh, it is. Yeah, he, he had the misfortune of uh, coming up with the Dodgers immediately following uh, Drysdale and Koufax. So uh, he was dealing with the legacy of those two giants, and uh, he just sort of uh, never really was of that caliber. But uh, over the years, he put up all those wins. You, you can't uh, take that away from him. He was consistently good for a long, long time. And another, another death... Uh connected to baseball, and I just happened to notice this. You, you may know, I'm sure you know, that Dr. Falkhauser and I keep a, a necrology, a list of those who have passed that should be remembered, and we do a broadcast about it periodically. And the wife of Vince Scully died on January 6th, and I just had, it, was just, it was on the list that I was going through, and uh, I was sorry to see that. He, of course, retired as a broadcaster with the Dodgers. Uh, yes, if there's ever been a man who was iconic, he was it. But interestingly enough, Tony, uh, uh, Vince's uh, wife was 40 years younger than he was. So and she was, was his second wife to die. He has been now widowed twice. Right, I know. Uh, and, uh, of course, he, uh, even though he is retired uh, as play-by-play man for the Dodgers, he did narrate the, uh, the World Series video from last year. So he, uh, he still is active in a way. Well, I, I'm glad because uh, he was fun to just listen to, and, and I, at least I think he was. And uh, I think, well, I, in my view, one of the one of the two best ever. Uh, I, I really do think that uh, he and Ernie Harwell were head and shoulders above everybody else. If you like the kind of broadcast that I like, which was the uh, the pull up a chair, uh, highly polished. Uh, delivery uh, that uh, uh, was not controversial in any way, uh, told the story, told you stories along the way, made you feel good about the game, and was impeccable in, in every sense of a broadcast. Uh, and in, in, in making making the divisions as you did there, defining it in that way, I agree with you, and but there are other ones, uh, you know, who have a different style. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know you like Bob Prince. Uh, yeah, and uh, Harry Carey was sort of from the unpolished school too. And it's just all a matter of uh, of the type of broadcaster you happen to like, I think. But for me, Vince Scully and Ernie Harwell were just so good. And I put uh, of the modern day broadcasters, I put John Miller in that category too. Uh, I agree with you on that. I missed him when they took him off the Sunday night broadcast, and, well, he was no longer with Baltimore. Uh, one guy, I don't know what you think of him. We, we might as well have a little fun. I had uh, an opportunity recently to view some YouTube tapes and some other things uh, of, of Bob Euchre. A friend of mine sent him to him, and this guy doesn't even like baseball, but he likes Bob Euchre. And, and you got to, I, I think Euchre is really funny, and uh, he's... Uh, self-deprecating, and I, I get the impression that some of his, the baseball people, uh, not all, of course, think that he, he's you know deserving and he's, uh, he's done a pretty good job. I think he's been admitted to the the media part of the, the Hall of Fame. But anyway, yeah, and he's so been much. with the Brewers for uh, you know nearly a half a century now, too. Uh, right. So uh, he certainly has done a, a good job. Uh, there are those who are critics of 
uh, Euchre thinks that uh, he tries to make it too much about himself at some time, but I think he does a, a basically very good job. Tony Rigsby is our guest tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about the sports of the past year. It's just good to remember things. Hello? 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 Sounds like Hello? Tom got cut off there, Tony. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering what happened. I didn't know whether it was if I got cut off or he got cut off. Um, I guess I'll just stand by and you can get him back. Hello, Tom Kearney here. Tony, are you still there? John, what, what's, uh, what's the problem? I'll call Tony. Tony, I'll find. Well, I, put me back on the air, John, so we'll make sure that we've, again, had a problem with the telephones here. Tom Kearney with Tony Rigsby uh, on WPTF. In fact, uh, right now, John, would be a good time for us to take a break, and you can get everything straightened out. And when we come back, Tony and I can talk about some of the sports of a very bad year of 2020. Are we, are we back together again? Hello? Yeah. Yes, I am. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what went on there, but maybe our uh, outstanding producer has gotten us all back together here again. Well, we're and in great hands with John as he took care of the situation uh, very quickly. And uh, this was the sort of... Uh, situation that uh, in the days when I first came to WTTF in the late 1970s, uh, when we would have a technical snafu there, uh, this was the days when we had records and uh, and turntables, and uh, we would say we paused for a brief musical interlude while we uh, remedied the technical problems. Well, that, that shows that you and I have been on, on both sides of a fence that divides uh the history of radio there, because we, you speak of records. But in, in fact, uh, I recorded the interview. That's kind of like when you're in the first days of television, uh, if, when the thing went quacko, you just had technical difficulties to, to play yeah, and, uh, I don't know if you remember, but for many, many years, on uh, Channel 11, uh, there were so many of those things back in the 60s on all channels, but uh, technical difficulties, please stand by would be the slide that would come up, and it was actually sponsored by Longmeadow Farms. Uh, they actually sold a sponsor package for the technical difficulties slide. And you and I both know that Longmeadow Farms was actually a Raleigh dairy, if I remember correctly, and uh, the place that it was named for, Longmeadow, was okay. It was a Durham dairy. Okay, uh, well, Longmeadow was... Uh, um, Located uh, a dairy, a farm rather. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the educator and the gentleman who ran the Progressive Farmer and uh, and so on, who who, who operated. Clarence Poe, is that who you think? Clarence Poe, because they there used to be two or three long meadow dairy bars in Raleigh, and when the Goldsboro people, you know, myself included, came up to play basketball in Raleigh, we always liked to go because we didn't have any long meadow dairy bars in Goldsboro. Well, you know, Longmeadow uh, was headquartered in Durham, and Pine State was headquartered in Raleigh at that time, two big regional dairies. Right, Mr. Kilgore was in charge of uh, yeah, Pine State. Kilgore. Anyway, I just yeah. know that Clarence Poe was involved in it. His estate was on uh, Newman Avenue, a little bit of Raleigh history. But let's, let's talk about some sports here for a moment, and, and, and 
Anyway, uh, uh, what I'm sort of looking for is your comments on the sort of fractured year of 2020. I, I have these imaginations of the record books that are missing the year 2020 because they just don't know what to make of the records. Well, there certainly are records uh, in a lot of sports. Now, collegiate sports is different. Collegiate sports actually did not have their championships in basketball and in, in baseball. But uh, professional sports at the major league level did, although there were long uh, down periods. You know, you recall that the major league baseball season uh, was paused in spring training on uh, March the 13th. Uh, it resumed uh, in July with what they called summer camp, two weeks of training, and the season itself actually resumed on uh, July 27th and then uh, played through uh, the months of August and September with expanded playoffs uh, in October, uh, culminating in the crowning of the Los Angeles Dodgers as the world champion. They, 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 got the, they finally got the World Series championship that they had been so close to for, for a number of years. But, yes, they uh, really did. And, of course, that was the World Series against the, uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, uh, which uh, brought to mind that uh, either uh, team that won, either Tampa Bay or Los Angeles, would uh, be a two-championship town because the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, winning the NBA championship in the fall and their eighth season in the bubble, and the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. Oh, I didn't see there. Something I need to be reminded of. I actually looked that up today. And, and uh, who was the, the opposition in the, in the National Hockey League? Uh, uh, who did the, the Tampa Bay team beat? To I've actually the... forgotten at this point, Tom. Uh, they were the ones who ultimately prevailed. Of course, the... The Hurricanes won a couple of games in the first round of the playoffs before they were eliminated. One of the things that I'm having trouble imagining in terms of the professional teams, given the amount of money involved and, and so on, is that the players keep turning up with, with the virus. You know, I, There must be some way to seal, seal the, the, the lane that's bringing it to them off so that they won't have to uh, quarantine players during the season and and so on, because I mean, apparently individuals out there in the real world can avoid the disease, and if you're making $25 million a year, you might be able to, if you, you know, you see what I'm saying, work up the gumption to avoid it during the season. Well, if you recall, the uh, when uh, the NHL and NBA uh, seasons resumed last year, they were, they were played in a bubble of uh, strict isolation, uh, the NHL in two locations in Canada, and the uh, NBA entirely in the uh, Disney Wide World of Sports complex in Florida. Uh, now, Major League Baseball did not play in a bubble until uh, they went to postseason with uh, both the NLCS and the uh, World Series being played uh, in Arlington, Texas, at the Globe Life Field, the brand-new home of the Texas Rangers. Do you have any sense, being the baseball person you are, uh, exactly where the baseball planning for this year is at this point? Yeah, at this point, it's uh, all ahead go for the regular season and spring training starting on time. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was just talking uh, this morning 
with uh, my spring training bosses in the Cactus League. And as of now, we're planning to go uh, first game on uh, February the 27th. And uh, the Major League regular season would start on April 1st. And, uh, you know, that's all subject to change. But as of now, Commissioner Manfred says, go for a regular season. And by regular, I presume there will be fans in the stands. Uh, Some. And that will depend uh, largely on the individual uh, jurisdictions that the the games are being played in. Because, uh, for instance, North Carolina has much stricter rules on that right now than some other states do in terms of the number of fans that you can have in the stands. Uh, college football, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Uh, we ended up uh, actually just about a week ago playing the this national championship and how, how quick the colors fade, but I believe uh, Alabama defeated uh, Ohio State. Ohio uh, State there, yes. And, and did it decisively in a, in a blowout. Uh, as the uh, uh, Alabama continues its dominance, I mean they've played in so many of these college football championship games. But you know that was the uh, the big buildup for a championship game uh, a little over a week ago. As you know, the uh, the ghosts of Bear Bryant and Woody Hayes going up against each other. Oh my goodness! Well, we had a trivia question. I, I created it on the program the other night, and it's the five winningest uh, football teams at the highest level. That is, the ones that would include Alabama and Ohio State. You want to take a shot at the five that have won the most football games over, over all I'm time? Sure, I'm sure I wouldn't get it, but I would I would think those two would be uh, two of them. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, you know, you just think of some of the powers over the years. Uh, I think of Southern Cal, uh, maybe Notre Dame. Uh, but I really have no idea off the top of my head. Well, okay, I, I didn't mean to. I'm not trying to trip you up or anything, but I mentioned it only because those two are, in fact, number two and number three on the list. Ohio State is number two and Alabama is number three. Michigan is number one. And um, Texas is number four. And you name Notre Dame, they're number five of the, the most victories over over the entire history of, uh, of football uh, and I think uh, if I was trying to remember the other night on that night, somebody asked. I think Yale is the only Ivy League team that's in, that's anywhere near the top. But they played, I think, the first football game against Princeton or somebody. And and uh, do you remember who played the first uh, football game in North Carolina? Of uh, 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 the collegiate level, or yeah, collegiate level. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm being. I'm throwing you curveballs here. Yeah. I really do not. I'm guessing you, since you're bringing it up, it was probably Wake Forest. Wake Forest in Carolina played at the fairgrounds yeah. in, 18, in 1988. But so I was going to think there's probably some trick there that it's Guilford or somebody in college. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it could have been. One of the first games that WPT have ever broadcast was had Guilford in it against uh, the Wolfpack. I don't think they would even call the Wolfpack at that point. But anyway, it's. I don't know. I love terrors at that point or something. And their colors were probably brown and pink or something like that. Because I think I know they did have the brown and pink at one point. Yes, at one point. Yes, as as a matter of fact. And of course, they had a big debate after World War II about calling them the Wolfpack. I'm vamping now because we're close to taking a break for the news. Because because Chancellor J. W. Harrelson didn't like the name Wolfpack, and also the 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 Germans. 
during World War II, the submarines that tried to sink uh, right. uh, Allied shipping were called wolf packs, and they, they didn't think that right. maybe that's that was what the, uh, Harrelson didn't like. Was, uh, okay, was hold on, we need to stop. You're a newsman, you know the importance of this break. We'll be back. Then Georgie Kelly came upon the scene. I'm talking baseball, the Motor City team. Oh, Tony, we will probably get to the part about Al Kaline before, before we needed to cut out. But we didn't. But Al Kaline, of course, passed away this past year. Sort of Mr. Tiger, and you would know if anyone would know. Yeah, one of seven Hall of Famers who passed away in uh, in 2020. Uh, and, of course, we've already had one Hall of Famer to, uh, to pass away in 2021. So uh, uh, it, it, it's not been a good time for losing a lot of our Baseball greats over the years. It was always so great for John Sauter to pull out the Terry Cashman Tigers version of talking baseball and always appreciate that. Speaking of uh, John Sauter, he did some research while we were in break uh, because you were curious about who the Tampa Bay Lightning were playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, thanks to uh, John for reminding us that it was the Dallas Stars. I think I actually read that today and made a note of it, but how quickly it flew, flew out through, I guess, in one ear and uh, out, out the other ear. But the, the, a little more baseball and then some basketball and then back to some baseball in terms of things that I have on my mind. The, uh, the uh, incorporation of new inductees into the Hall of Fame did not play, take place last year, and it's my understanding that the, the crowd from last year will, will join whoever's inducted this year, or will there be a crowd to be inducted this year? Yes, there, uh, there's the inducted of both classes is going to take place on uh, in July uh, in Cooperstown, and uh, including uh, last year's class. Uh, and this, there is precedent for that. That actually happened during World War II at one point, too, where they, uh, they did two classes at once. So that will be, uh, it'll be a huge group that comes in uh, this uh, this July in Cooperstown, New York, and uh, uh, if uh, you uh, want to make a trip of that, it would be a great year to do it because you're going to have a lot of people coming in at the same time. Right, so I had read somewhere coming when, up in uh, in July. Yeah, I had read somewhere that they're down to about 70 members now uh, because of the six uh, or seven that had died during the last part of 2020. All of those gentleman died after the first week in September, as a matter of fact, uh, and then we added uh, Don Sutton today. Uh, but, uh, you know, well, we had, uh, we had, we had the, you know, the first one to die last year was actually Al Kaline in, uh, in the spring uh, of last yeah, year. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I, 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 I made a mistake there. I, I was trying you know, to do a little uh, thinking on my feet and... and uh, it, I know that feeling. I know that that I have you here, Tony, and I know you're not going to let me get away with anything. (laughs) Even though I didn't intend to commit a crime there. But anyway, my brother and I went to to, uh, to, uh, Cooperstown. We actually went in the fall, and the the leaves were beautiful then. But it's a beautiful place to go whatever time of year you go. And it's, I think, a proper shrine for the. I've uh, I've had the uh, pleasure of going on uh, four different occasions, uh, two Hall of Fame induction ceremonies in uh, '81 and '89, and then going two other times at uh, different times of the year. 
Uh, I've been to Cooperstown every time of the year except for winter. I've never been up there in the wintertime. I have no desire to be there in the cold northern winters with the snow. But uh, in the summertime, it is uh, an idyllic place. And uh, even if you weren't a baseball fan, if you were a literature fan, uh, it is uh, James Fenimore Cooper uh, country up there, too. It's one of the few places that Mrs. Kearney and I have been, and as we were driving away, I, she said, you know, I think I can live in this place. So that's a, that's a good sign. That, uh, but, of course, you, you make a good point about James Fenimore Cooper. Um, let's see. We, we, I want to talk to you a little bit about minor league baseball. Uh, one of my friends uh, from uh, one of our radio friends, I think you may even know Woody Seymour. He's a big minor league baseball, yes. baseball fan, and, He's, um, uh, I think, uh, bothered and upset about what's happening to minor league baseball. So I think maybe people may not know about that. How about giving us a short report about that? Well, in, uh, I, I, there's no way to do it in a short manner because there's so much of it. Uh, first of all, there was no minor league baseball, no professional uh, affiliated minor league baseball last year. There were a couple of independent leagues that operated in a fashion for a while, but uh, Major League Baseball refused to supply players to the minors, so there was no affiliated uh, Minor League Baseball last year. Uh, then, that was uh, the first thing to go wrong. Uh, the second part was we had already known before the 2020 season that that was the last of the uh, years covered in the official agreements between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. So Major League Baseball, and particularly the commissioner, Rob Manfred, set about in some ways to destroy Minor League Baseball as we know it. Uh, and uh, the first thing, first part, was contraction, doing away basically with the short-season leagues, uh, those leagues being the Appalachian, the Northwest, uh, the New York Penn League, and the Pioneer League. Uh, as it turned out, the Appalachian League was turned into a summer collegiate league. Uh, the Pioneer League decided to go the independent professional route. Uh, the Northwest moved into the full season ranks, and the New York Penn League was basically dissolved, uh, which is a shame that it was one of the oldest leagues in professional baseball, going back to the old Pony League days of Pennsylvania, Ontario, and New York uh, League. Um, and not only that, but uh, teams were eliminated. The only team in North Carolina eliminated Burlington in the Appalachian League, and uh, the other teams in North Carolina will still be around, but the league structures still have not been decided, and uh, it looks at this juncture that the AAA season will start with the Major League season in early April, but that AA and Class A will be a month later and start. And so Kinston will still have a team. Uh, the Mudcats will still exist. Uh, yes. Fayetteville still will have a team. I, I was going to ask you, to, you, were, you were reading my mind, the question is how, how did this apply directly to North Carolina? So the only thing North Carolina lost was the, was the Bullington team. Okay. Right. But there are going to be uh, some changes in, in league structure, too. And those have not been totally announced yet. Uh, it looks like at this point that uh, Kenston, the Down East Whip Ducks, will drop down to low A, and the Hickory Crawdads will move up to high A. Both of those teams 
owned by the Texas Rangers, and uh, there are several others that will be in on that. And will the structure still, will there still be a Sally League and a Carolina League by those names? That we don't know yet. Uh, all of that's supposed to be announced uh, in the next couple of weeks by Major League Baseball, which is controlling everything now under Commissioner Rob Manfred's one baseball vision. Okay, all right. Uh, that, that updates me on it, so I don't sort of know where we stand there. Can we go back for a moment? Earlier you said uh, you, you responded to my question about the basketball season in 2020 and pointed out that there was no March Madness, no ACC tournament, no national collegiate champion at the highest level. How does that look now? Is that going to happen this year? Will we have an ACC tournament, et cetera? Yeah, the uh, ACC tournament will be in Greensboro and all of the NCAA tournaments. Every round will be played in Indianapolis this year. Uh, there won't be any regionals around the country. Everything in Indianapolis, which is the home city of the NCAA. Now, you're not saying everything in the state of Indiana. I don't allow myself to believe that that's what I thought I heard on a sportscast the other night, but it's all going to be played in the city of Indianapolis, right? In Indianapolis and nearby suburbs, yeah. Okay, okay. They want, to, they want uh, that, to contain it in that short little area uh, there. And uh, for basically what they're going to do is they're going to, in, in their view, build a bubble around the city of Indianapolis and uh, play everything there, including the uh, play-in games will be on the Thursday before the tournament starts, the play-in games that uh, have traditionally in the past been in uh, Dayton, Ohio. Okay, well, that's something that I didn't know until two or three days ago, and then I, I got the impression that it was going to be kind of a, a collegiate version of uh, the Indiana High School Tournament, which I believe at one time, and perhaps still does, includes every team in the state. There's no there's, you, there's no ranking. Everybody that plays basketball gets to play in the tournament. Yeah, and there, are, there are those people and uh, some coaches who've always argued uh, that that should be the case in college basketball. Personally, I think it would be a terrible idea. It would negate the regular season entirely, but there are those coaches who would like to see that. Yeah, I, I can see that too, but I think it would be kind of chaotic. And uh, but uh, it does have a certain charm in in, in uh, offering the, the smallest college and whatever if they get on a run to to make a maybe a run at the, the top schools. We're talking to Tony Rigsby tonight. We're talking sports, a lot of baseball, some basketball, etc. Some review of the uh, year 2020, which was a a chaotic year in sports, as it was in a lot of other things. Uh, and, of course, we neglected to mention one of the, the things that uh, the, your first uh, comment at the top of the hour was that you didn't remember who had won the Super Bowl, and, of course, uh, uh, that was the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, and who uh, they played the 49ers, I believe. And uh, uh, Yeah, and they have a chance of, we have right now, because we are now down to the conference championship games in the NFL, uh, it'll be the uh, the Bills going up against the Chiefs in the AFC and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers in the NFC. You know, And should the Packers and the Chiefs win, then we would have a reprise of Super Bowl number one when the Packers uh, beat the Chiefs. 
I'm trying to think of the guy who was the coach of the of the uh, Ken, of the uh, Hank Stram. Hank Stram, thank you. I used to love to listen to the to Jack Buck and Hank Stram do the games on Monday night. I, I, gave, I gave up uh, the Monday night football game on television because of a certain sportscaster who was on there, and it was not Dandy Don, by the way. About, Howard Cosell? Uh, <laughs> yes, a native North Carolinian. But uh, I love, yes, I, uh, most people don't realize that he's a native North Carolinian, though. Right. Did, did you know that? Winston-Salem, yes, I believe. Yes, Winston-Salem, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, 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 I would go in the bedroom and, and turn on the light and just lay back and listen to, to Hank and uh, uh, Jack Buck. I always enjoyed those games a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm, I guess, sort of strange that I like to listen to sports on the radio more than I like to watch it on television because I can... Well, I like, uh, I, I like the radio sportscasters better than a lot of the TV sportscasters. I was just thinking, Tom, how ironic that... Uh, uh, you did not want to watch Howard Cosell, and yet uh, people don't know this, but you will remember this, that early in your career at uh, WPTF, you worked overnight hours on Saturday night, uh, uh, Sunday, I mean, Sunday night, Monday morning, and one of the programs you had to run was Speaking of Everything with Howard Cosell. And I will tell you, I, I, I was going to say it earlier, and I decided I was was including too much, but he could do an interview about as well when he wanted to and when he wasn't cutting up as anybody. I, I remember to this day one of the interviews he did on that program was with the guy, Tom, somebody who founded uh, the pizza company, uh, uh, Domino's Pizza. Uh, and uh, it was a great interview. I, I remember to this day, and anything that makes that kind of impress, he just I didn't uh, like all of his cutting up and stuff, but uh, different strokes for different folks, and of course they were trying to attract as many watchers as they could. We we need to stop here, Tony, for a moment and, and do our other break, and then we come back. Uh, my my uh, interviewer's textbook that I bought when I started working at WPTF uh, back when you took me to my first uh, press conference in 1982 says that. Uh, Near the end of the program, you should ask your guest if there's anything you haven't covered that he would like to talk about. And so that's the question, and we'll come back to you for that when this break is over. Ah, Tom Curtis here. The night I've been looking forward to. We had to juggle things around two or three times, but we finally got Tony Rigsby on to talk about sports. Before I, I get Tony back in front of the microphone here, I do need to tell you that tomorrow night we're going to have an interesting program. Uh, Mr. Rigsby, my friend, Dr. James Crisp, who you know or have heard of, has been writing a book about a man named Herman Ehrenberg, who was important in the early years of Texas history. Uh, and uh, Dr. Crisp is finishing up the book now, and so he's going to talk tomorrow night about something that we've decided to call sleuthing Herman Ehrenberg, and that it's kind of like a detective finding out about him, and that's, that's how history is done. So I hope you can tune in and that our listeners can tune in. And listen to that. Sounds like a fascinating show, and of course, I realize that you know he is an expert on, on Texas history, as I've heard uh, heard him many times. Yes, yeah, he he used to come very, very fairly readily and, and, and engaged in part of the controversy of, about the famous question of when did Davy die? The, the question of of Davy Crockett. We we all know he was at the Alamo. The question is. Did he die with old Betsy in his hands beating off the opposition, or did he 
get captured and was he shot maybe 10 minutes later. But uh, this time, Ehrenberg is a German who came to America and uh, ended up in Texas and traveled, I think, some with Sam Houston and uh, may have written some speeches for him. I'm, I should stop because I may be misleading you. Dr. Crisp is the one who knows this story, and it is an interesting story, and he spent a lot of time on it. So I thought, well, let's uh, let's see how historians do their work. And, uh, and of course, Sam Houston is one of the uh, big names in U.S. history that a lot of people don't know a lot about. Uh, the president of Texas at one point. Uh, right, exactly. I thought you were going to come on knowing your predilections, and I, I should tell the, the audience that Mr. Rigsby is a good historian and political scientist himself. Uh, he often, when we worked together, knew the answers to questions that I would have to look up otherwise, but I just would ask Mr. Rigsby. But in, well, as a matter of fact, in, we could have done a show tonight, and uh, I would have been happy doing it about the uh, presidential inaugural with all the events of tomorrow coming up as well. Uh, but you're right. I, I, I do love political history, for sure. Well, you know, one of the uh, one fact that I was telling Mrs. Kearney, who was a history major in college over, uh, that probably is worth reminding ourselves of is that for most of American history, the presidents were inaugurated on March 4th, and it was only in 1936 that they changed it to the date of, that we're using now. And that did away with it was the, appropriate that they did that uh, with a president who was already in office, so that the if you'd had a president who was not going to remain in office, you would have cut his term short. Well, and they, what they were doing those days is they would elect a new Congress, and it was to take office on March the 4th of the next year, but the old Congress would go back into session uh, around the 1st of December and serve until... Uh, March the 3rd, and then they would change, but that was the famous lame duck group of people. They they were, they were some of them had been turned out of office already, but that is, they got to finish their term, but they were not going to go over to the next time, and uh, so that was one of the reasons for changing it from uh, March 4th to January 20th. Uh, and, uh, but uh, that's just a little... Which was the, uh, the second inaugural of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Exactly, and of course the first one was when he made his uh, uttered some of his most famous lines, and that is, "We have nothing to fear but fear itself." You know, to what Tony, we've just about run out of time now. Let me ask you. Maybe John will give us just a little bit more here, and we'll try to get out on time. Um, you are you continuing? I mean, is it fair to ask this to work with the spring training of the Rangers and the uh, the Royals? Yes. As a matter of fact, I'll be. Uh, I'll be out there in just about a month. So, okay. So, if I'm going to call Tony Rigsby, I have to call him in the next month. That's, that was a kind of a sneaky way of finding that out. Well, thank you so much for uh, uh, for being with us tonight. And are you going to be on the radio tomorrow? Uh, I will be on. I think um, I will be doing the 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and 4 o'clock uh, p.m. news tomorrow. I shall look forward to hearing it. Thanks for being on with us tonight, and I shall talk You're with welcome, you later. Tom. That was Tony Rigsby, a long-time WPTF employee, one of my mentors where I learned how to uh, turn the microphones on and put the headphones on my head and those kinds of things. Tomorrow night, as announced, we're going to talk about uh, Texas history with Dr. James Chris.